0: I want
1: Let's love him together. Thank you, holy God. Thank you, great and mighty King. Let your presence touch our hearts tonight. Let your inspiration, oh, holy God, rest upon each and every one of your children. Dear God, accept our praise. Oh, Lord God, help us. Thank you, Jesus. We're living in a lost and a dying world, dear God. We want to be the light. We want to be that light, oh God. Help us, won't you, please? Give us the grace of God to touch us and strengthen us and minister to our minds. In Jesus' great name, in Jesus' great name. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Hallelujah. Let's give God a big hand. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. If you have a Bible, I'd like to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians. Check the back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to turn your attention to verse 13. Corinthians 5 and 13 for whether we be beside ourselves it is to God or whether we be sober it is for your cause I'm uh, going to borrow a very popular phrase from sister Mila tonight and that is are you serious So there you have it. You may be seated. The Lord bless you, and you have your title, and you're all set. <laughs> she got to asking me that so much sometimes, I finally turned and I said, Have you ever known me not to be? <laughs> of course I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not joking. Well, I am saying to you that here, the writer, the apostle. Is inspired and he says you know if we're beside ourselves now you think of being beside yourself there's some outstanding examples one of them was David to where he danced before the Lord the presence of the Lord until somebody who wasn't at all plugged in had their nose up in the air had their hand on their phone and was texting you know and here's David, and he's just cutting a rug for the Lord. He's excited. He's happy. He's ecstatic. He's feeling joy unspeakable. And um, he's totally into what he's doing. And that's what the writer said here in verse 13. He said, for well, whether we be beside ourselves. David was beside himself. he That's how you would phrase that that's how you would say that when somebody's really happy and really excited they'll just say they were beside themselves you know and he said if we're if we're beside ourselves he said it's to God it's to God and that's what David said to the individual that you know was so filled with bitterness and rancor and and just old bad looking down the nose attitude you know while David is dancing and David is rejoicing and David's kicking up his heels and just so exuberant and happy. Like I said, you've got this person looking at him and then begin to criticize him. Begin to say, look what you're doing. You're making a fool out of yourself in front of all the young maidens in Israel and everything. And the writer here was inspired to say, if we get beside ourselves, it's for your benefit. It's unto God, and it's for your benefit. It's unto God. And that's what David said to this individual. He said, "Well, what I'm doing, I'm doing for the Lord. And he said, and as a matter of fact, stick around, because I'm fixing to ramp it up. (laughs) I'm going to ratchet it up. I'm going to, I'm going to do worse. I'm going to really just, you think I'm getting with it? You just ain't seen nothing yet. I'm fixing to get really happy. And then he went on to say in the latter portion of the verse, well, whether we be sober or serious, he said, it is for your cause, for your cause, for your cause. You know, I wonder sometimes, I think that people are looking for something to get serious about. You hear me? I've seen people, and I'm talking about get baptized in Jesus' name, fill with the Holy Ghost. You know they say in flying, a pilot, that the first 300 hours of flying, you have to keep a a log book. You have to log your hours, and when you go flying or you go cross-country and different things, you have to keep all that in a logbook. And uh, the first 300 hours, there's not much problem with mishaps and crashes and things of that nature because the pilots are are so new, and so they're careful. They're cautious because they know they're new, and they're rookies, and they're So they're not taking chances, you know. So zero to 300 hours, not a big problem. And then when you get, basically, when you get somewhere about 10,000 hours and upwards, you don't have much problem with that either because those are by now very seasoned pilots. And they've been doing it for a long time. And they have a lot of experience now under their belt. And so you're not looking, they're not making silly mistakes. They're not taking chances. They're not acting fruit loopy, you know, because they're they're they have a healthy sense of respect. It's like one pilot said, You can run a stop sign down here and you can get by. He said, But you don't get by running stop signs up there. Well, It's that interval. It's that spot between 301 hours and 9,999 hours. That's the area where complacency strikes, overconfidence strikes, and people get, pilots get to thinking they're all that, and they know everything. They don't have to take so much time in there checking out the the aircraft before they take off like they're supposed to. They kind of rush the walk around and they things they're supposed to look at and check and tires and everything else. They just kind of get a little overconfident and sloppy about it. And they just, you know, give it a little light going over and that's it. And um, and then when they get in the plane and they get permission from ground control to taxi out to the runway. And they get there, they're supposed to stop, and of course they have to change over their frequency, and they have to get a hold of tower control and get cleared for takeoff. But while they're waiting for that, they have to do a checklist called a run-up, and they have to check their engines, and they have to check their instruments, and they have to check all the gauges and make sure that everything's looking like it should look before, as the tower clears them, to take off that they've done all this properly. and uh, But the guys in between, like I said, they have a tendency to rush through it. They have a tendency to be ho-hum about it. They have a tendency to be a little overconfident about it. Just, you know, I got this type thing, this attitude. And um, this is where the, the big concern percentage-wise in the industry comes up. And I want to tell you something. When you're when you're brand new in a church and you're freshly baptized with the Holy Ghost, and it's like I've told you before, we were sitting in a service, my wife and I, at another church, and service was, people were just getting seated and service hadn't kicked off yet. And a young lady came in, and she was just laughing and shouting and dancing and rejoicing. And we were sitting next to some old guy on the pew, and he leaned over and said, she's new. And so I looked at him and I said, I can see that. I can see that. She's on fire. She's excited. She She's not. What did it say? Um, dance like nobody's looking? Sing like nobody is listening. I have to do that one a lot. <laughs> and uh, and uh, things of that nature, you know. And in other words, you're delivered. You don't care what it looks like. You don't care what anybody else is thinking. You're not doing it under anybody else. You're doing it under God. If I'm beside myself, it's, it's to the Lord. I'm, I'm, if I'm dancing, I'm dancing unto the Lord. If I'm rejoicing, I'm rejoicing unto the Lord. My hands are up. They're up to God. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in God's, in mysteries, the book said. So I'm not feeling, if I'm freshly full of the Holy Ghost, I'm not feeling all cowered down. I'm not feeling like, I hope nobody's looking at me. I hope nobody's looking at me. me. Let me get my hand up. Let me dance a little bit. I don't want nobody, you know, think I'm doing anything. here. Let me tell you something. David was a king. David was the number one guy in the kingdom. He had hundreds of thousands of men of war that at his signal would take heads off. You hear me? (laughs) And David, David, uh, David was just, beside himself. He didn't care what anybody thought. Especially some bitter old woman. He wasn't worried about it at all. He said, I am going to rejoice. Now I've seen people that, you know, they just all of a sudden get a case of wanting to be serious. They've taken up golf. Suddenly, they're Tiger Woods. They buy the gloves. They get the golf bag. They get the golf shoes. You know. They get everything. All this serious stuff here. Yes, sir. And they get so serious about it. And they're out there, friend. And they're practicing their swing. And they're watching videos to learn how to swing it better. And I mean, they just, boy, they feel like they've arrived. They feel like they've found the very thing in life. Oh people, it seems to me, that they they want to get serious about something. They want to get serious. And uh, there are people that go to stadiums, football games. They will paint their faces all kinds of colors, purple and orange or, you know, green and yellow, aqua and whatever the other color is. Oh, yeah. They'll paint and they'll They'll, they'll wear no shirt, and they'll paint a number on it or a slogan on it. They'll be in the stands, or they'll have signs like the kids did tonight in the mime, and they'll have their signs. And they're so serious about their team. Yeah. Serious stuff. I told you about the two young men that grew up together, lifelong friends. And they were in their mid-20s, and they were going to a professional basketball game in Chicago back in the 90s, and uh, they got to having a discussion about who was the best player between two guys, two players, and the one kid picked one player, and the other one was picking the other one, and they got into a discussion about it, and after, after a while, the discussion got a little bit serious, got a little heated up, and pretty soon, they got into a shoving match, and then they got into a fight. Friends, lifelong friends. And then one killed the other. Killed them. All over. Being so serious about some sport and who they felt like was the best guy. Just wanting to be so serious. And I'm simply saying to you that I think in everybody, that there comes a time when you're kind of sober up a little bit. And you kind of have a moment of sobriety. And you, the Bible used the term sober-minded. Serious-minded. You know. And so the, the joking and the jesting gets put on the back burner. And you you feel like I want to get serious and there's something in people they'll 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 find some kind of something whether it's race car driving or some kind of sport and heaven knows is one sport overlaps another one overlaps another one overlaps another one season after season after season until it can keep your mind if you give it over to it completely tied up and, uh, you know, I'm saying to you that, <laughs> I'm simply saying, are you serious? Do you want to be serious? Then there's nothing, nothing that is more fitting to be serious about than the work of God. We are not playing Fatty cake. We are not playing little games, chasing a ball, running up and down a field. We are, we are not doing things that are of no value and no consequence. We are dealing with souls. We are dealing with eternal matters. We are dealing with an eternal purpose. That has been delivered to us. And so, when the question is asked, are you serious? This is what we want to be serious about. This is what we want to be serious about. Listen to the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And... Verses 6, he said, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be serious. I'm going to use the word that is that sober means, serious. But let us, verse 8, who are of the day, that's the church, that's us, be sober, be serious, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love and foreign helmet the hope of salvation do you know years ago years ago we uh keep forgetting I don't have my walking mic on tonight years ago when we and I mean years ago almost 38 years ago in an effort to break into this community as a brand new church we uh, we had just the building was just built we had just dedicated it. And uh, we'd been here about two years, and I mean, since it fell, and I, we tried every kind of thing we could think of. Uh, I've got pictures of Brother Donnie as a young guy, and we had a we had a pinata, and and it was I believe it was Easter, and uh, we hung it between the volleyball posts, and we jerked it around, and blindfolded Brother Donnie, and he had a bat, and he's swinging trying to hit that pinata. Well, I want you to know he got it, and candy went everywhere. But, you know, I decided that it wasn't good enough. So I hired a plane and a pilot, and I gave him candy. And I said, I want you to fly overhead, and I want you to throw the candy out the window. He did, only he wasn't very accurate. We had candy across the canal. We had candy on the roof in Florida sun, melting. We did not have what we have out there now where the new building is. We had Weeds, we had, I mean, big weeds, Uh, thorny things. We had a pasture. It had been a pasture for over 30 years, and there was every kind of junk out there. And we hadn't gotten around to it yet to cleaning it all out. Eventually, we did. But at that time, we didn't, and so there was candy out in the weeds. I think there was candy everywhere but where we wanted it to land. And the guy, man, when he came back, he said, man, he said, it's hard. You know, you're flying and you're trying to open the window and you're trying to pour the candy out all at the same time. He said, I'm sorry. I said, all right, don't worry about it. There were people stopping their cars on the other side of the canal, jumping out and getting free candy. I'm telling you the truth. It, it made for a great laugh. We had a wonderful time. What I'm trying to say, we tried everything. And one of the things we tried, we, um, we put in a ball field. And uh, we we brought out one of those Coke trailers, Pepsi trailers, whatever, and for serving hot dogs and chips and sodas. And we allowed the association in town to come out and use the field, and we manned the concession stand. We didn't do it really to make money. We did it to meet people because we were brand new. And we did. We met a lot of people. made a lot of friends. We're still, many of them we still know today, of course. And uh, all in an effort, though, to bring the truth and the message to people in this community, to break the ice. What I'd seen, I'd seen, uh, I'd seen dads, little guys like this. Maybe, maybe little. i seen I've seen little kids. And I seen dads come flat out of the out of the stadium, out of the out of the what I want to call them, the bleachers. And they'd be, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you hit that ball? Why didn't you run faster? Why did a kid like that? Little kid. And then I seen you could be seated, thank you. And then I and then I saw I saw parents almost come to fists. They were so serious. So serious about six- and seven-year-olds trying to hit a ball and run around and have a little fun. (laughs) So serious. You'd think it was the World Series in Yankee Stadium or something and that, you know, it was millions of dollars riding on who won the game because of Las Vegas out there, right? (laughs) And don't kid yourself. When there's that much money involved, the bookies are involved, okay? Gambling is involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So serious. So serious. And, you know, we've got to stop and think here. If you want to get serious, and I I, I do. I do want to. I remember. I honestly, I remember I was in the church, and um, I'd been preaching for probably, I want to say 15 years, maybe something like that, 12, 15 years. And uh, my sons wanted to play golf. And so I figured, well, hey, you know, go out. And they didn't know that Dad played a little bit when he was a teenager. And uh, I said, all right, we'll go to some little course out here, and we'll let's do a just a par three, you know. And uh, for starters. But you know what? It got a hold of me. It got a hold of me. It 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 began to get its claws in me. And I remember calling my brother-in-law. He's a number two man, was, he's probably number one now in the state of California over immigration. And he's an ex-Marine. And uh, I remember calling him because I knew he played golf. And I, I began to ask him, his name was Robert, and I began to ask him about clubs and and get advice. And, oh, I was I was just feeling to get, I'm going to do this with the boys, man. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to really throw myself in this. And I said, hey, what are you doing? It's a golf game. It's a club and a little white ball, and you're going to run all over the place in 90-degree weather. What are you thinking? And I realized, I said, "Eh, you know, do it light, have a little fellowship, and walk away from it. again. Forget it. And that's what I did. I just, right away, I thank God, just got completely delivered from it and said, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to go to that extent. I'm not going to go to that extreme with this thing. I'm telling you that a spirit will get into anything. A spirit will get into your chocolate milk. It'll get into your your red velvet cake. You know? A spirit will get into anything. I knew an evangelist, and he told her right here. He said he got so serious about something before church, he would play it every night. Before, and he was evangelist, so he was preaching five and six nights a week at different churches. And every night, he said for about an hour, just before church, he had a little race car set. And he'd play his race car set. Almost a 30-year-old man with a wife and son playing a race car set. Huh. Wanting to be so serious about it. So serious. Until he, he finally woke up, and he's like, what am I doing? You know, And I'm thinking you should be in the prayer room before church, not playing a little racing game, <laughs> you know? How an enemy wants to get in there, how he wants to short-circuit the purpose of God in our lives. And so I asked the question, are you serious? Are you serious? I want to be serious about the right thing I want to be serious about the work of God I want to be serious about the purpose of God I don't want to sleep he said he's talking spiritually as others do you know that they're they're going back into everything that my wife and I got delivered from when we got the Holy Ghost they're they're getting involved with everything Do you hear me they're they're losing convictions about anything, and they'll find some place where somebody will tell them that it's all right. It's all right. They not only do that, but then they'll post it, you know, on Instagram or something, what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, let us turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. in verse 2 This is a true saying in verse 1 If a man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good work A bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant serious of good behavior given to hospitality and apt to teach Serious it's got to be serious verse 11 Even so must their wives be grave not slanderers serious, faithful in all things. This is in your Bible, church family. The book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 8. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, serious, just, holy, temperate, or self-disciplined, holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Chapter 2, verses 2, 4, and 6. That the aged men, you guys that are getting grown up in the church, you're over 18 now, okay? That the aged men be serious, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. Verse 4. About the women, that they may teach the young women to be serious, to love their husbands when they get them, and to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Does it say that? Yes, it does. <laughs> now, I preach to the man, so be careful. Okay. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort young man likewise exhort to be serious minded okay oh yeah first peter chapter 1 verse 13 wherefore gird up the loins of your mind the power of your mind be serious and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is there really some things you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Think about that. You've heard the saying, I wouldn't be caught dead. Uh, exactly. I, I, I'd like to be in church when Jesus comes. I'd like to be worshiping him when the first resurrection takes place. No better launching pad that I can think of than right in the church house. Just whoosh, gone in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. I don't want to be doing something silly and frivolous and of no value. Little to no value. Get an example. Paul said bodily exercise profiteth a little Little, little old people they can get very serious. Oh, I gotta go to the gym, man. I gotta go to the gym. You yeah. know. I asked somebody the other day about the gym because I was laboring under the evidently false information that these men went to an all male gym. And it came out that such wasn't the case, and it was co-ed. And I said, really? I said, so there's women in this gym where you're working out. Yes, sir. I said, and of course these women are observing standards of modesty, right? No, sir. Everybody say spandex. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. What you think them women are there for? They're there to catch them a man. (laughs) That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. Now, you there, you there because you want to pump iron. You want to look like Arnold when he was in his prime. Yeah, yep. Oh, Yeah. But they're there they're there because they're looking for a meal ticket they're looking for a paycheck they're looking for somebody's got a good paying job because they're very serious about shopping and the manny and the petty. I heard a woman the other day and I heard her say on the phone whoever she was talking to. She said, Well, I know one thing, he better get me my child support. And basically she was talking about because she was going shopping. Oh yeah. You just think that, you know, it's all about your muscles. No, it's all about your fat wallet. <laughs> it's all about your paycheck, pal. You know, there are three women to every one guy. That's pretty much the ratio. I wonder the Bible talked about seven men, seven women would lay hold on one man. Get him by his jacket. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, hey, it's in the Bible. So he said, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Former strong desires when we were lacking in knowledge. But now we've been enlightened. We've been given the Holy Ghost. So why are we going to go back to beggarly elements? Why are we going to put our hands in handcuffs and our feet in stocks? Why are we going to go get entangled again in the affairs of this life? You want to be serious? There's a whole lot in this church to be serious about. My wife came home the other night. She said, the church is filthy. I said, it is? She said, well, you know, it looks okay. She said, but I'm telling you, I said, it needs a deep cleaning, huh? She said, yeah, it needs a deep cleaning. See, the problem is a lot of people don't see dirt. My wife sees dirt. I think she can see dirt where there is no dirt, be quite frank about it. And, uh, you know, we she's serious about cleaning. She's serious about the church looking spick and span and sparkling. She's serious about putting your best foot forward when people come out to the house of God. She's serious about that presentation. You know, you only get one shot to make a good first impression. Because the next time, it's the second time around or more. You only get one one, and that's it. There, I don't know if you saw the thing in the newspaper the other day, but the dad was explaining to his son about, because Mother's Day was coming up and all that, how to how to treat a woman. And he said, number one, he said, never tell them they're fat. He said, number one, he said, never criticize their hair. Number one, and he, he must he like named forty number ones, and after a while the kid is like, he said, "Is this ever gonna end?" <laughs> he said, "Oh, we just get into the good part." Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, you know, there are things to be serious about, and the church is full of them. We, we really have something that's important. We really have something that matters. Because in that day, nothing else is going to matter. not going to matter if you climb the highest mountain. Did you read in the paper the other day about they, they had an accident up on uh, Mount Everest? Five miles up, right? 26,000 feet, tallest mountain in the world. And the Sherpas of the Himalayas had brought these people up there because they wanted to go to the top, you know, and plant their flag and wave their colors and take their selfies and all of that. Only well, problem is on the way up there. There was an avalanche. And as I said this morning, it came and swept them all away. Sherpas and all, guides and all. It's not going to matter in that day. If you climb Mount Everest, not going to matter if you sailed around the world. It's not going to matter if you got your name in the Guinness World Book of Records because you ate more hot dogs than anybody else. You know, not going to matter about a lot of things. Believe me, it's going to matter. Oh, it's going to matter if you're baptized in Jesus' name. And we've got one to baptize tonight. It's going to matter if you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's going to matter if you have begun to live for God, stayed saved according to Romans through Revelation. It's going to matter. It's going to matter. You want to do sports? We run races. We're running a race here. And only one's going to win, one body of Christ. And that that body of Christ is for everybody, everywhere. And that crown is incorruptible. They run. Oh, they're so serious. They're out there at the crack of dawn. And they're lining up. And they're getting ready to go on a 26-mile marathon. Iron Man something or other. Okay? They're so serious. They buy special shoes. It costs hundreds of dollars. They've got their high-powered drink to give them the boost when they're running. So many things that they invest in because they're so serious. They feel like we found purpose in life. I'm gonna win this little trophy. You know, I knew somebody that invested thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for a softball team. Okay. And when they win the championship, they get a trophy that costs less than a hundred bucks. Plastic. They run, the book said, for a corruptible crown. He said, you be running for an incorruptible crown, and you want to run, he said. So, so run. You want to run, and you don't want to be. You don't want to be beaten against the air. He said, "We're not beaten against the air." He said, "If we're sober, we're 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 serious. We're we're that unto God. If we're beside ourselves, rather, we're that unto God. And if we're serious, we're serious for your sake. You know, there are places Jesus could have gone. There are things he could have done." Paul the Apostle said he could he could have done things that the other Apostles did, but he didn't Because of the grace of God that was in his life And that he labored more abundantly And that he decided to say no to this and say no to the other he decided what was important What was important What was important for me? What's important for these young people is just what they were doing tonight. For them to sing, be trained to sing to the Lord, to mime to the Lord, to play instruments to the Lord, to to quote God's word. And I forgot to tell you here at Belgrade, but I, we're going to start a contest, and I'm going to give a hundred dollars for the one that can quote the most scriptures. Okay. So start learning your scriptures. I told them the same thing in Fort Myers. Okay, that's important for you to be able to quote God's word. I told a young lady today in a store and uh, she said, you just come from church. I said, yes, I'm a senior pastor. I did. And so she told me that I said, you you uh, you sound like maybe you read the Bible a little bit. She said, yes, I have. And I said, then you could probably tell me what Acts chapter two, verse thirty eight. It says And her smile got real big and she got real embarrassed. And she said, Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I know that one. So I quoted Acts 238 for. Her, and she said, You know, I have heard that. And I said, Well, it's the most important verse in the whole Bible. And I said, now I'll give you my card before I leave. So I went out to the car and got her an invitation and went back in and gave it to her. What we have is serious. What we have has to, it's a life or death situation. Either you're going to be in the camp of the believer or you're going to be in the camp of the unbeliever. You're going to be in the camp of the active or you're going to be in the inactive. You're going to be in them that's running the race for the incorruptible or you're going to be involved with the group that's running for the corruptible, for the things of this life, the things that are going to be burned up, the things that aren't going to matter. That's what the difference comes down to, church family. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore serious and watch unto prayer. The end of all things. You and I are living in the end of the last days. Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the last days. We're 2,000 years down the road from that. We're living in the end of the last days. He said, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye serious and watch unto prayer. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Same book, chapter 5, which is the last chapter, and verse 8. He said, be sober or be serious. Be vigilant. Pay attention. Because your adversary, young people, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. He's stalking you. He's watching you. I was told about this one guy, so called preacher. He and his wife. They'd had so much Botox that their eyebrows were up in the forehead. And when they talk, they talk like this AJ, I'm watching you. You know, talk about stretch to the max. But I guess that outward beauty, they were serious about it. But they weren't serious about the truth of God because he doesn't preach it anymore. He doesn't preach it anymore. Be serious. Be vigilant because your adversary. The devil tells you who your adversary is. As a roaring lion, I would tell you about the right out here at Lion Country Safari where it costs you two paychecks to get in, maybe one to get out. You know, all the animals are out there. And they tell you, keep your doors locked, keep your windows up. And a dad went out there with his wife, two children in the back seat, you know, like 8 and 10 years old. And he's, they're riding and they're going along the road and he's looking out there and he sees the lions. And the lions are out there in the sun. So they're just soaking up the rays. They're chilling. You know, they're just kind of laying there. Flies are buzzing around. Just kind of a lazy day. And, uh, but, uh, the lions had their lazy eye on this guy. And this guy stops the car, puts the window down. He's going, hey, 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 trying to get the lions to move, to show a little life. Nothing's happened. The lion look at him like You're crazy, man. What's wrong with you, dude? So he says, Alright. And he's got his video camera. So he gives the camera to his wife. He says, Here, you video everything. He gets out of the car and he goes out towards the lions. Wait. And the lions are just looking at him. They're not even twitching an ear, they're not doing nothing. And the less they did, the more this idiot did. And he's jumping, and he's on, and he's just acting the fool. And you know, that lion was very calculating. He had a, he had that, you ever seen those things passed off? He used, they had a laser. And he could he could put them here, and he could tell you how how tall this ceiling is by that laser beam. they will go up there, whoop, and will say 12 feet. Right there on the meter, 12 feet. they will say that, or 35 feet across, it'll say it right on there. Oh, brother, that lion had laser power. And he measured the distance. And he was thinking, two more steps, pal, and you're my meat. And I'm hungry. And that, that man took two more steps. And that lion was on his feet, and the flesh wham! Took off at that guy, and all of a sudden, the guy, oh, 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 oh. he's trying to run away. Oh no, no, there ain't no getting away now. There ain't no getting away now. That adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Oh, you want to play footsie with the devil? You want to get a little bit closer to that roaring lion? Go just a little bit more. Get a little bit more. Get a little bit more. And he's gauging it, friend. He's got the laser eye on you. Not the lazy eye, but the laser eye, and he gets you just where he wants you. And then, friend, he pounces, and he mauled that. His wife videoed his death, screaming, crying, and the and the lion is eating the skylight. All because he didn't listen to the preacher. He didn't listen, but you didn't know what he's talking about. What do you mean? Keep the windows open? What do you mean? Keep the door locked? What do you mean? I can't get out and pet the animals? I paid twenty-five dollars to get in here, man. You know, I did this and I did that and I did the other. Well, you did it for the last time. <laughs> you know. He said, "Be serious. Be serious. You have an adversary. You have an enemy. You are. You are important." To the devil. You know that? Because you have the truth. Because you have the Holy Ghost. Because you have the revelation of the name and you're baptized in that name. And you know how to get to heaven. And you have a serious uh, purpose in life. So you don't need to go looking for something to invest your life in. You don't need to go looking for something to get serious about. You're in the midst of something, in the very center of something to be serious about, the most serious about. So, once again, be serious, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's hunting you out, man. He's, he's on your trail. Whom resist steadfast. In the faith, in the doctrine, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in this world. You're not the only one going through it. You're not the only one in the throes of battle. You're not the only one that's trying, I hope, that's trying every day to strive against sin, to strive against silly nonsense, to Resist getting pulled into and involved in things that just really don't matter, and that you'd rather refocus your the loins of your mind, the power of your mind, on what you're called to. Oh yeah, everybody said, "Praise the Lord." Lord. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. This word is soberly. L Y adverb. I'm closing. The wind is getting ready to rescue me. 12 and 3. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every day, Lord, help me. Renew me every day. That ye may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, every man that is among you, you have responsibility, men, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think seriously. Are you serious? I hope so. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Titus, once again, chapter 2. Titus, chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, denying, 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 we should live seriously, righteously, and godly. Where? In this present world, right here, right now. You want to take us on, devil? Right here, right now. We're ready to live for God. We're ready to let our light shine. We're ready to put our foot down and our hands up. We're ready to be obedient and in subjection and submission. We're ready to be the army of the Lord. And all of it by the grace of God, by the grace of Almighty God. I'm finishing 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Now, you're not going to find that in the gym. The co-ed gym. You're not going to find it at the beach either. Yeah. Is that a revelation? Did anybody not know that? Huh. Well, it did say something about stirring up your pure mind by way of remembrance. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness. So see, that does away with that bold look. That painted up bold look. That is all designed to get that fat paycheck to look at them. And you know what? They don't care if you're married. They don't care if you're married. It don't make no difference to them. They just want to get you in a position to wear... They can extort money out of you, and then you're going to be paying somebody's rent, somebody's phone bill, or somebody's car note. Yeah. Shamefacedness, ladies, and seriousness, not with broided hair. And what that means is braided hair with jewelry in it, that's what that means with gold, pearls, or costly array. So soberly, seriously. Same chapter, verse 15. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved or delivered in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with seriousness. If you get serious, well, you can count on God being serious. He's looking right at you. And he cares about you. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. You can stand. The Apostle Paul, who said he could have done a lot of things that a lot of people were doing, but he was cutting off things so he could focus more and more. More and more of his life could go to the work of God, to the salvation of souls. And uh, he said in Acts chapter 25, or 26, I mean, in verse 25, he was... um. He was testifying to Festus. Festus was a high-up fellow in the political realm. And as Paul spake to Festus and testified to him and told him of his conversion, how he came in the church, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. So Paul could have quoted and said, well, if I am, it's unto the Lord. And he said, much learning doth make thee mad. (laughs) But Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and seriousness. I'm serious with you. Festus, King, I'm serious with you. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your occupation is, we are serious. And we're trying to get this message to you that we're in the end of the end. And we're closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than anybody's ever been. Many great men and women are waiting in the grave to hear that voice that's going to speak with power and authority and say, give up my people. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be the church, there's going to be those that represent the body of Christ are going to be alive and remaining when Jesus comes back as a thief in the night for his church. And they're going to be caught up together to join the dead in Christ, to meet the Lord in the air, as he descends with the voice of the archangel and trump of God. So, as he said, you're children of the day. Don't sleep as others sleep. Be serious. So when it's asked, are you serious? It should be a resounding yes. I'm serious. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must do these things if you don't do any other things do those two things and that's how the Apostle Paul came upon people that were claiming in their belief to be okay and so Paul said have you received seen the Holy Ghost since you believe and they did the Brandon shrug to go I don't know whether there'd be any holy Ghost and Paul's like well that answered that one and then he said, Unto what then were you baptized? Oh, man, yeah, we were baptized by John the Baptizer. Woo! We got some pedigree going on there. And Paul said, uh, He told you to believe on him which should come after him. That is, on Jesus Christ. And, friend, they leaped at it. They said, Put me in the water. Put me in the water. And all of them got rebaptized in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only two questions that he asked. It's only two things that matter. Are you born again of water, baptized in water in Jesus' name? Are you born again of the Spirit, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? That's what's going to matter. Don't forget, the Bible said, in an attempt to convey to us, in biblical form, said they were all at the marriage supper of the Lamb, having a big old time. And there came in one. He wasn't in the right look. There was something about him that gave him away. He's kind of like that frog that got in our house the other night. Kind of snuck in there. and We were like turning on lights and moving furniture and got something to Try to sweep him out the door, but we were dealing with the invisible frog. Where he went, I do not know. And uh nonetheless, this guy, there was something about him. And they said, Friend, how did you get in here? You're not baptized in Jesus' name. You don't have the, you don't have the wedding garment on. And they said, called over a couple of I would imagine big angels and said, take him and cast him out and said into outer darkness said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're not going to get around this. Jesus said, I'm the door. you going to ask the Lord. Are you serious? <laughs> Go ahead and ask him that. <laughs> He's serious. Oh, he is serious. He is so serious. There's no joking with our God. He has a great sense of humor, but as my wife says, but, but he's not joking. It's like one guy said, if you're joking, say so. Giving a guy a way out. And, you know, nothing to joke about on this. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to worship the Lord. Come and get the neighbor ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're a great God. Okay. Lord,
0: I offer my life to you. Everything. Let's come and gather
1: in. One to baptize, one child.